Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 25 this morning. Matthew chapter 25. And I know some people sitting here probably still have a little camp hangover. Amen. And so it takes a few days to get that out of Young people, they don't think, I don't think they ever sleep. Amen. I don't know if they're doing drugs or what they're doing, but they, they just stay up all night and all day for a week, and then they just go wide open, you know. But uh, it's been a great week, and uh, I just praise God for what he's done, what he is doing at the church. And I'm glad he's still on the throne. Amen. Amen. And uh, he's not changed one bit. Matthew chapter 25, if you'll stand with us this morning. And... Uh, Looking forward to someone getting saved. Amen. We've had about six people saved in the last couple uh, since Brother Barnes. I think someone was saved the Sunday he preached. And then last Sunday and then four at camp. So we just thank God for these souls being saved. If you're here this morning you're not saved, we want you to know you're our special guest. And we want you to come and accept Christ this morning. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence this morning once again, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. God, we need you this morning. We don't want to be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. We don't want to go through the formality or the mechanics of worship this morning. But I pray that you'll give us liberty. I pray that you'll touch us this morning, not because of us, but in spite of us. I pray you would help us this morning, save the lost and reclaim the backslidden. God, give us a greater vision of a coming Savior and a coming Lord in this hour that we're in today. I pray, God, that you'll do an eternal work that only you can be magnified for. And we'll love you, we'll praise you, and we'll thank you for we do ask in Jesus name we do pray amen amen you can be seated this morning I want to draw your attention to verse number one here in just a moment but we know that Matthew chapter number 25 is a continuation of the sermon in Matthew chapter number 24 and we looked at it last week and I just felt like the Lord would have me to go back to this passage this morning and last Sunday we preached on the second coming of Jesus Christ and this morning I want to preach on the second coming of Jesus Christ in relation uh, to the Jew or in relation uh, to Israel. Amen. You know it's seldom that we hear uh, preaching on the second coming anymore. But God willing I'm going to preach on it today and preach on it next Sunday and the Sunday after that. Because when you come to Matthew chapter 25 that's what we have here. Jesus gives three parables in Matthew chapter 25 and the first parable here uh, being that of the ten virgins and then uh, the parable concerning the talents and then uh, the parable concerning the judgment of the nations. 
Amen. Hey, when we think about these uh, uh, three texts here, it all has to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I would say this about Matthew chapter 25, uh, that this chapter here concerning the second coming of Christ uh, is both an encouragement for the Jew and the Gentile. Amen. Uh, What is given in this chapter here, though we're still on Jewish ground, may I remind you, uh, uh, there is encouragement in these parables here uh, to encourage both the Jew, uh, the nation of Israel, but also the church of the living God. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Well, uh, the principle of these parables uh, is simply this this morning. When we think about it, uh, uh, we consider uh, the parable of the ten virgins here, and it calls us uh, uh, to be looking for uh, the Savior uh, and the second coming. Amen. It teaches us to be looking uh, for the second coming. And then that of the talents, uh, it teaches us to be laboring for the second coming. Uh, uh, We're to be watching, uh, but we're also to be working. Amen. I know we're not going to be here through the tribulation period, uh, and I know the second coming of Christ uh, is not the rapture of the church. Uh, But when I think about Jesus coming to this world, and I think about him setting up his kingdom, uh, and I think about ruling him ruling this earth uh, uh, for a thousand years, uh, and the church will be a part of that, and the nation of Israel is going to be a part of that. Friend, we need to be looking, uh, and we need to be laboring. Amen. Uh, We need to be watching, uh, and we need to be working. Amen. Uh, And that last uh, uh, principle, or that last teaching there, uh, concerning the judgment of those nations there, it teaches us that we ought to be living, uh, and we ought to be loving uh, uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Friend, he is uh, uh, coming again. Uh, And it's amazing that the closer we get to his coming, uh, the less preaching we hear on it in this hour. But we're closer now than we ever have been. And may I say this morning, uh, they ought to be an anticipation. They ought to be an excitement. Uh, uh, They ought to be some joy when it comes to the second coming of Christ. Amen. When we think about this parable this morning concerning the bridegroom and the ten virgins, I want to say this morning on the outset of this message here uh, that the scene uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 25 is Israel immediately after the tribulation period. Amen. If you go back to Matthew uh, chapter 24, uh, Jesus spoke about that. In Matthew chapter 24, he said in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. uh, And he began to speak about what was going to take place. uh, How that the sun... uh, Uh, would not shine and the moon would not shine and the stars uh, he said would fall from the heavens amen Uh, the sun is going to be darkened Uh, he said the moon is not going to give her light Uh, but then he said the son of man he is going to be coming in glory amen and I believe uh, uh, that at the end of the tribulation period uh, uh, Jesus Christ will come isn't that right he's going to come amen And when we think about his coming this morning, I want us to think about it in this text concerning uh, my friend the second coming of Christ and the nation of Israel or the second coming of Christ uh, and the Jews. Amen. When we consider it this morning notice three things and we'll be through. Uh, First of all I want you to see in verses 1 through 5 I want you to notice the marriage call. Amen. The Bible said then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins uh, which took their lamps uh, and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Uh, Notice 
Notice the bridegroom in verse number one of the heavenly bridegroom. This is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And we read about it in Revelation chapter 19. I'm telling you when Christ comes, it will be him. Amen. He's not going to send Elijah. He's not going to send Moses. He's not sending Gabriel. He's not sending Michael the archangel. But the Bible said the Lord himself. And just as he's going to descend in the rapture, Revelation 1 and verse 8, my friend John saw him. He saw the Messiah. He saw the Son of God. Jesus is coming again to this earth. And he's coming. He is the heavenly bridegroom. Amen. Now the Bible talks about this heavenly bridegroom but then it highlights a group in verse number 2. The Bible talks about these ten virgins and the Bible says that five of them were wise and five were foolish. Now when you think about the ten virgins tonight or this morning you know that the number ten is that number of completeness, totality, amen. And when we think about Christ coming back, listen, this is not the church, amen. When Jesus spoke about a number uh, controlling the church in Matthew chapter number 18 uh, and verse number 30 I think it is uh, uh, Jesus spoke about where two or three are gathered amen Uh, and so these virgins here they represent the nation of Israel they represent Israel at the end of the tribulation period Uh, and Jesus talks about five were wise uh, and five were foolish Uh, so we see at this marriage call we see the heavenly bridegroom we see here uh, this this highlighted group but I want you to notice the Holy Ghost in verse number 3 the Bible says they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them and the Bible said but the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps amen notice the spirit of God oil always represents the Holy Spirit is that right this morning The lamps represent the word of God. Psalms 119 and verse 105 said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And these ten virgins take their lamps. And my friend, there's a lot of things that they have in common. I mean, they all had ten lamps. They all had oil in those lamps. They all slumbered. They all slept. My friend, but five were wise and five were foolish. Why? Because the five wise didn't just have oil in their lamps but they had it in their vessels the Bible says notice that in verse number 4 but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps look at verse number 8 and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out meaning that they were lit you see that lamp represents the word of God that oil represents the Holy Spirit and just as the spirit of God takes the word of God What does it do? It gives illumination. Amen. It allows us to see. It allows us to understand. You see, as I'm preaching this morning and the word of God is going out, uh, uh, there's a work that no man can do. Uh, The spirit of God must take the word of God. He must illuminate the mind. Uh, He must 
illuminate the heart. He must light up man's conscience that he might have understanding. You can tell a man he's lost all day long, but until the Spirit of God makes it real unto him, he's not going to see himself as he really is. Well, these ten virgins, listen, they all had illumination. They all knew the Word of God. They all had understanding. But the five that were wise, you know where they had that oil? They had it in their vessels. Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 4 and verse number 7, said we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, that's the gospel. This morning... There are going to be some during the tribulation period that's going to be saved and there's going to be some that are lost. Uh, you see, the point of this parable is simply this, that after the rapture, uh, folks, listen, they'll be awakened. Uh, they'll be awakened by the two witnesses, uh, the 144,000, the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is going to go forth and there's going to be some that's going to be saved uh, uh, during that tribulation period, uh, uh, but it's not uh, long after that post-rapture. You you know what's going to happen? Many of them are going to go to sleep. They're going to fall asleep to the signs of the times. And the 100 or 1,260 day countdown until the coming of the Messiah, they're going to go to sleep. The Bible says that they all slumbered and slept. Amen. They all went to sleep. I'm telling you, friend, this morning, if you're lost, you better wake up. Amen. If you're backslid, you better wake up. Jesus is coming again. And the call is being sent out. The marriage call, won't you come to the wedding? I'm telling you, if you don't get born again, you'll show up without a garment and you'll surely not be allowed in. I'm telling you, friend, you must be born again today. The marriage call. The marriage ceremony was performed in the upper room of private houses. The betrothal couple stood under a canopy The bride wore a veil and both the bride and the bridegroom wore crowns which were exchanged several times during the ceremony. The officiating minister was not a priest nor necessarily a rabbi but an elder who standing under the canopy and holding a cup of blessing invoked a benediction on the assembly. He gave a cup of wine to the betrothed who pledged themselves to one another. The bridegroom then drained the cup, dashed it to the ground and crushed it with his heel. A symbol it is said that their happiness could not be complete while Jerusalem was in the hands of the heathen. The marriage contract was then read and attested by each person present by drinking a cup of wine. The friends next next walked around the canopy uh, quoting psalms and showering rice on the couple. The ceremony was concluded by the elder invoking the seven blessings upon them drinking the benedictory cup uh, and passing it around to the assembly. After dark the bridegroom led the bride to his home attended by his friends. Others joined the procession bearing lamps in token of respect. When everyone arrived at the bridegroom's house all were invited into a, to a feast uh, which the rich re- repeated for seven nights uh, or even longer that was the ceremony and so the bridegroom has sent out the call and the call has been given and the Bible says in verse number five while the bridegroom tarried they all slumbered and slept uh, we see the marriage call but when we get to verse number six uh, I want you to notice the midnight cry amen 
There's a cry that's going to come forth at midnight. And the Bible talks about the character here of this cry is the bridegroom. The Bible said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. I'm telling you, at the end of the tribulation period, you know what's going to happen? The bridegrooms are coming. Amen. And the call's going to be sent out. Go ye out to meet him. I'm telling you, friend, if you're not ready now, you're not going to be ready then. Amen. You know, some people think that if they miss the rapture, they'll get saved in the tribulation. But that's not true. The Bible said that God is going to send strong delusions and you'll believe a lie and be damned. The false peace, the false prosperity during the first three and a half years will easily uh, surpass uh, uh, the the unsettlement of the rapture and the untold millions that are missing. Uh, People will fall into such a, uh, listen, to such a sleep uh, of tranquility not knowing that shortly thereafter, uh, my friend, all hell is literally going to break out on this earth uh, as God is going to bring those terrifying tormentors of the tribulation period out of the of the abyss itself that will torment men for five months. Things are only going to go from bad to worse. I'm telling you, friend, but in the end, there's coming a midnight cry, and that midnight cry is going to be the alarm that's going to be sounded for Israel. That's going to help help them to know that at midnight, when things are its blackest, and when things are the dark. Israel is not without hope. They're not without a Savior. They're not without a Messiah. He's going to come and He's going to rescue and He's going to restore and He's going to regenerate that nation once again. He's going to bring her up out of the dust and the ashes and when the smoke is cleared and when the battle is over Israel is going to stand more glorious than she's ever stood in her past days and the King of the Kings and the Lord of the Lords is going to be the one that's going to be leading that nation during that thousand year reign. The midnight cry. I see the character. I see the coming. He cometh. I see the command. Go ye out to meet him. I see the concern. Notice the Bible said, Then all those virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. They had had lamps. They had a testimony. They had a profession that they believed in him. But they didn't have any oil. Now here's the application for us this morning. If Christ knew amongst those Jews who really believed and who really didn't, don't you think he knows that this morning about every one of us? In this congregation today, I don't know anyone's heart and anyone's life, but I promise you there's an all-seeing eye this morning that looks beyond the exterior and he sees the interior. He knows the very intents and the very thoughts of our heart this morning. There is one that knows everything about me and everything about you. In fact, he knows so much about us. He knows every cell that's in our body. He knows every hair that's on the top of our head. 
He knows everything. Everything that we've done in the past. Everything about us in this present. He knows everything about us in the future. So if you're here this morning and all you have is a profession but you don't have a possession, you may fool everybody in this building. You may fool everybody you live with. You may fool everybody you go to work with. But may I tell you, friend, the one that it really counts with, you're not fooling him for one second. You're not fooling him for one moment. You may have a testimony. You may have a lamp and the lamp may even sound good. It may even look good but it's not going to shine. You know why? Because there's no oil in that lamp. I'm telling you I like that little old song the kids sing give me oil in my lamp and keep it burning, burning, burning. Amen. I'm telling you if you ever get born again there'll be somebody move on the inside and thank God it'll be something real on the inside of your life. I'm talking about the concern. Are you concerned this morning about Jesus coming? I mean, if you're lost, you ought to be real concerned. And if you're saved, you ought to be concerned that you're doing and that you're not slumbering and sleeping. You know, this morning, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be rough or mean. I want you to understand where I'm coming from when I make this statement. But as a pastor... I'm not, I'm not the spiritual thermometer in the church. But at the same time, you can walk in sometimes and as a pastor you can sense the temperature in the church. Temperature this morning, it was good, but a little bit sleepy today. It could be anything. I mean, it could be sin. It could be youth camp. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not judging the service. I've learned a long time ago not to try to figure everything out about the service because you're not God. But you do know, and the Holy Spirit will tell you, you better pray. The choir did good singing this morning, but there's a little slumbering in the service. Why is that? I do not know. But may I say to you this morning, we better get the sleep out of our eyes. We better whatever it is this morning. Don't get up and testify about it tonight because we don't need to hear it. Can I get an amen right there? If you want to get up and glorify God, do that. Amen. But don't get up tonight and kill the service. If we're having a good one tonight, don't kill it. Can I get a witness on that? The only people that makes mad is the ones that's planning on killing it tonight. And I'm saying it directly to you, amen, on purpose. Uh, but I'm telling you this morning, uh, uh, listen, sometimes if we're not careful, you know what we'll do? We'll let distractions, we'll let division, we'll let problems, we'll let people, we'll let circumstances. Uh, I'm just telling you that's how I am. And I know that's how you are this morning. That's how we are as people. We'll let things get in our life. Uh, I'll tell you what the devil will use it to do. He'll use it like a bit a drill. Amen. He'll use it like a NyQuil. He'll use it to rock you to sleep. Rock me to sleep. I don't want to be asleep. I'm telling you, I hate to go to sleep. Anybody else with me on that? But you got to do it or you'll have a heart attack, you know? And so, or you'll have a stroke. That's the only reason I go to sleep is because you have to. God made it that way. But I'd rather just be awake all the time. It's always something to be doing. Isn't that right? Some place to be going. I like daylight better than nighttime anyway. Can 
can I get a witness right there? A little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands. So shall our poverty be. I'm telling you spiritually, that's where a lot of people are at tonight or this morning. They have fallen asleep on God. Amen. Hey, the rapture, the revelation, the rapture marks the beginning of the tribulation. The second coming marks the end. You know what it's going to do? It's going to wake some people up. There's some sitting here this morning. I can't wake you up. John the Baptist was here. He couldn't wake you up. If Elijah called fire down from heaven and set that remembrance table on fire, some of you wouldn't wake up this morning. I'm not talking about your eyes. I'm talking about the windows of your soul. You're rocked asleep. I pray that God, the Holy Ghost, will wake you up this morning. I don't see anybody in this building go to hell. I don't see anybody in this building stand at the great white throne judgment of God and have a lamp with no oil in it. This morning I see the concern. I see the crises. The foolish said they finally woke up. They said to the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps. They're gone out. The light's gone out. What's happened? I'm telling you that illumination is now gone. And that's why, my friend, they need that oil. But notice the comment here. But the wise answered and said, not so. Lest there be not enough for us and for you. It wasn't theirs to give. Amen. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves and notice here the celebration as the Bible said as they went to buy the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him notice this to the marriage and the door was shut amen I'm going to tell you what I believe personally about verse 10 and you can you don't have to believe this but I believe it personally I believe that The marriage supper of the Lamb will be on earth and not in heaven. And I'll tell you why. There's great debate about it. Some believe it'll be in heaven. We'll have the rapture. We'll have the uh, judgment seat and we'll have the marriage supper. I believe every bit of that. Some believe it will be in heaven. Some believe it will be on earth. I believe it'll be on earth for this reason, this verse right here. They that were ready went in with him. Notice this to the marriage, and the door was shut. You see, Israel, those five foolish virgins in verse 10, they missed both the rapture and the reception. And I have a hard time believing personally. Now again, you don't have to believe this. I'm just telling you, I'm preaching what I believe according to Scriptures. I just have a hard time. I I remember years ago I read it, Dr. M.R. DeHaan made this statement, and when I read it, I said, I don't believe that. But years as years has come, I have come to believe what Dr. M. R. DeHaan said. He said, after the rapture, the, tri- the, the judgment seat of Christ will not be a quick trip in, to the table. He said, those that are lost will be in hell under judgment waiting for the final judgment. Israel will be on earth going through the tribulation period, the judgment, while the world itself will be being judged for their sin and all of their wickedness. And he said, I had a hard time believing that the marriage or that their judgment seat will be just a quick trip and we're off to a wedding and to a marriage. He said, I have a hard time believing that 
as whatever what the friends talking. I'm not a brider when I make this statement. But talking about the nation of Israel, Dr. Amarda Hahn said, I have a hard time believing that they'll be going through seven years of judgment. God said, Yea, I've loved thee with an everlasting love while we're at the marriage. He said that judgment seat will be seven years just like the tribulation will be here on earth. The church will be at the judgment seat. And as we are at the judgment seat of Christ, standing there, giving an account for our words, for our works, for our wealth, and the watchman giving account of those, uh, we will go through that. Our life will be tried the fire. The fire of God's judgment will be on earth uh, for seven years. Uh, and the fire of God's judgment will be in the, in the center of the earth, in hell, as it is even right now. And the fire of God's judgment at the judgment seat of Christ will be there. But Dr. M. R. Hahn said once, uh, uh, that judgment seat is over with. And once that tribulation period has come to an end guess what he said the bridegroom is going to saddle up he's going to take the bride and he's coming back and there's going to be a marriage supper and at that marriage supper when the enemy's been destroyed and the gates have lifted up and the king of glory has come in and sat on the throne there's going to be a feast there's going to be a celebration and thank God Israel is going to come come in and the Jew and the Gentile of the church and the nation we're going to celebrate for 1,000 glorious years we're going to have a honeymoon of all honeymoons as the king of glory amen rules this earth the midnight cry they missed it they missed the rapture they missed the reception finally we see the mistaken claim Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us the request. Notice the refusal. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. We see the reason. Watch therefore. This is the message. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. You see, I remember growing up, all I ever heard preached about this text was the application and never the interpretation. There is no doubt that it should be applied this morning to us. You better watch, you better be ready. But it's not talking about the rapture. It's talking about the second coming. Am I correct this morning? It's talking about when Jesus comes to this world, this earth, friend, when Jesus comes to set up shop, the church has done been taken out. We've done been to the judgment seat. Now, you don't have to agree with me where the marriage supper is. In, in the big grand scheme of things, it doesn't really even matter. At the end, what matters is you know you're saved. What matters is you know you're ready. What matters is you know you got a garment. What matters is you know that you're going. What matters is you know that when he comes back, you're coming back with him. What matters is is that you've watched and you've made yourself ready. I tell you this morning, no doubt in this congregation, like in many that will assemble this morning together, uh, there are those uh, that you are not ready. You do not have a desire. You do not have a hunger. Hey, listen to me this morning. If going 
going to church has always been a burden. If going to church has always been a drudgery. If going to church is something you feel like you have to do. If church is something you just do because it's what you've always done. You might ought to check up this morning. You ought to might check up and make sure there's something on the inside. I'm telling you, if you look for more reasons to miss church uh, than you do to go to church uh, and it's not in your heart, uh, you better do some inventory this morning. Because I'm going to tell you, when a person gets saved, they love the Word of God as a newborn babe loves the Word of God. They love the brethren. That's how they know they pass from death unto life. Uh, hey, listen, uh, they've been led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Their prayers are answered. Uh, and because God hears the prayers uh, of His children, amen, uh, I'll tell you another way uh, that they know they're saved is they love His appearing. Uh, they're looking for Him to come. Uh, they want Him to come, amen. Now I'll say this to put it in perspective. There are times in life when you, you want to live for certain things. God gave us the will to live. Is that right? I want to live. And I want to live on this earth. He said, well, not me. I don't care. Well, if they told you he was dying today, how are you going to swallow that? If they told you, listen, you can die today or you can take this pill and live, what would you do? Well, I'm so excited about seeing Jesus, I'll just keep that pill. No, you would not. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. God put the will to live in every person. You know, whenever Brother Barnes was getting ready to pass, about three days or four days, I can't remember now, before he died, I called him. I said, you're going to get better. We're praying for you. He said, no, I'm not, preacher. I said, we're trusting God. He said, I know you are. But he said, he said I, I'm ready to go. He said, I'm, it's time for me to go. He told Brother Bobby just a few hours before he died, maybe 24 hours or less, when he called him. He said, I'm waiting my turn. Told the nurse when she came in there. He said, I hope you're in here when I make the crossing. He was ready to go, wasn't he? The dying grace had showed up in his life. And he lost the will to live in this world. But I would say this, the longer you serve God if you're saved, the more you look forward to His coming. You know, when I was, I was saved at 15, but I wanted to get my learner's permit. Y'all know what I'm saying? It may sound foolish, but I didn't want Jesus to come till I drove in a truck. And a big one at that. And I didn't want Jesus to come till I got married. I mean, I, I've been with this girl since I was 12 years old. I wanted to get married. I said, oh, Lord, if you're going to come, at least wait a couple years after I've been married. Y'all look so spiritual, some of y'all, and I don't, you're the same way. And then I wanted to have some children. We wanted to have children. I wanted to have a, there's things in life, joys of life, that you do want to enjoy. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, as the songwriter said, the best way to put it, the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. And the older you get, the more you look forward to Jesus coming. But if you're not saved, you have no desire for him to come. If you're not saved this morning, this does absolutely nothing for you. Because this world is everything to you. 
if you're saved. But I'm going to tell you, if you're saved, the longer you serve Him, the closer you get. You know what? This world means less. You know, today, a truck, Brother Wilson, it don't mean nothing to me like it did when I was 15 years old. It's just a piece of metal. Things of this world, they pass. But I'll tell you, the Savior, He grows more dear. The thought that He might come that the trumpet might sound, that in 11 one-hundredths of a second we could be standing in the presence of every person that's ever been saved that we buried, and then the next second we could be standing in the presence of our Savior, boom, boom, just like that, in a glorified body that death and disease and sickness will never again have dominion over, and that every care and every worry that we would ever have can be vanished in just a moment, the twinkling of an eye, the very thought of that excites me this morning I'm telling you my friend when I think about him coming I say even so come quickly Lord Jesus get us out of this mess we're in get us out of this mud ball of confusion and wickedness we're living in there is a land that is fairer than day there is a place where we'll never grow old there is a place where there'll never be another graveyard where there'll never be another sad song there is a place where we'll never say goodbye again. We'll see those that have gone on. There is a time and a place where we'll worship throughout eternity and our voice will never tire. It'll never grow old. Thank God I'm looking forward to Him coming. How about you this morning? As they get us a song ready, I want to ask you this question. Our Savior said in verse 13, Watch. Watch, watch. Lord, why? For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Are you watching today? What are you what, what have you been watching this week? Well, I've watched about 30 hours of television. Are you watching for Jesus to come? How about it this morning? Jesus said, watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Child of God, you better watch in this hour. Don't be a casualty. Don't coast. Don't coast in these final days when we're nearing the shore. Don't, don't, don't take a back seat on God. You give 100% because Jesus is coming, and he may come today. I wonder this morning as we stand, I wonder if there's somebody here You know you're not ready. You know you're not saved. Why don't you get out of your seat and come this morning? Hey, sinner, why don't you come this morning? You better come while you can. Because if the rapture takes place, you're going to be left behind. You're going to be left behind. Church membership, water baptism, paying tithes, being a good person, none of that's going to hold anything in the rapture. You better make sure you're saved this morning. If you're here and you're backslid, I beg you this morning, why don't you come? I mean, if the alarm was to sound today, if Jesus was to come and you're backslid, what are you going to do? You're going to face the judgment seat and give an account for a backslid life. You're saved, but you wouldn't move up closer to God and because of that, others went to hell. How about your friends? How about your family? Those people God's put in your life 
but you're to be a witness too. You owe it to the Lord, but you owe it to them to live for God. Don't be half in and half out. You give God 100% this morning. If there's something between your soul and the Savior, why don't you get out of that seat and get on this altar this morning? Get on this altar and surrender it to God. Let God give you some victory this morning. The church needs you. Your family needs you. I'm telling you, there's more to life than making a living. You better make sure this morning that you're doing God's will.